for the week of October 4th, 2020. This is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as all the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. In this episode, we are going to discuss that Mandalorian Season 2 trailer and briefly comment on the Emmys taken home by the Mando team. And to help me with that is John. John, how are you doing? I'm doing very good. Uh, life is starting to get back to normal uh, now that we're into the fall. I had a crazy summer, and obviously uh, listeners will know that our release schedule has been all haywire but we are committed to getting back on track with all that so i'm going to be busy toiling away between now and when uh mandalorian drops so that we're on top of our mando coverage uh but generally speaking to answer your question i'm feeling good and i'm feeling very excited about this trailer well in this time everyone needs a little bit of good news and did we get some with the emmys the mandalorian and then even the announcement from Hasbro and all the other Funko Pop exclusives being released. So was there anything big that stood out to you from the Hasbro and Funko releases? Well, the Funko stuff, that's very much your realm. Uh, I'm not a, a Funko Pop collector, but uh, if anyone's seen your your little webcam setup, they'll know that your space is littered with Star Wars Funko. So I'm sure that uh, that excited you. The other stuff, like the black edition stuff, like the, the collector's grade stuff that Hasbro is working on, that stuff looks very cool. They've found some characters that most people wouldn't care to add in their collection like Jar Jar. But I got to say the the Jar Jar, that's probably the best we've seen Jar Jar in toy form. So uh, I was actually kind of pleased that that character has been rehabilitated to the point where they figure some people might actually want to add him to their collection. Um, but for me personally, I'd love to see how that Razor Crest is going to turn out. They showed... um. Mm-hmm like a CG render of it. So I don't think it's in production where they've got final pictures yet, but that's a very big detailed little toy they've, they've developed there. And uh, it's just such a good ship design that that's something that I would enjoy putting on my mantle personally, that and uh, the Boba Fett as well. looks pretty cool. Well, I, like you said, am super into the (laughs) Funko pop exclusive. So I will be collecting both the Ahsoka and Darth Maul one from the Siege of Mandalore of mm-hmm. the Clone Wars. Um, there hasn't been a great Ahsoka Funko Pop released um, in the recent years. And the last one that was actually worth getting was off the shelf so fast that you can't even purchase it at a decent price. Mm-hmm. And it's Ahsoka with the white lightsabers from Rebels. And that one's so hard to find, but it looks like now I'll be able to get my Ahsoka piece. So I am super excited about that because I currently don't have one. Good. Well, 2020 is looking up. Say what you will about the first two thirds of it. But now that these Funkos have dropped, you know, it's going to be a big, good Christmas. Absolutely. And then another thing, Christmas kind of came early for the Mando team, taking home seven out of the 15 Emmys that they were nominated for. So out of those, they won outstanding sound mixing, outstanding visual effects, outstanding stunt coordination, outstanding cinematography for Chapter 7, outstanding sound editing, outstanding production design, outstanding music composition for a series. They took home the big ones. Was there any one of those that you wanted to comment on or something that you felt like they got snubbed on? Um, well, I don't know if they got snubbed. Like, taking home seven, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. Like, that's a pretty good haul for the Emmys. I I think that 
these are all areas that it excelled at. So I, I think these are all warranted. We've talked a little bit about the technology that they were using to achieve a lot of the visuals and the the sets or just making the show look like it was film practical. You know, they, they developed that technology that they call the volume at ILM where they can use the unreal engine to basically render all of the backgrounds in real time on huge surrounding led screens so that the Mando and all of his reflective armor can basically live in the space with, with perfect cinematic lighting. And they've even developed it where the cameras, uh, because they can have uh, like gyroscopic sensors and they can basically uh, track the camera's movement in real time. They can render the backgrounds in such a way that what ends up in the frame of the camera always looks photorealistic and, and perfect. And they've just really nailed the technology. And, and this is just version one of that tech, like what they're going to be able to do with that in 10 years is like, it's already outstanding, but it, the fidelity is just going to continue to get better and better. And they're going to just really learn how to uh, milk it for all it's worth. And uh, I, I think that the visuals that they can create with it are stunning. Like you really do sidestep the the cginess of having kind of like weird compositing artifacts from a lot of green screening or um actors that maybe just can't really visualize their space and so they're a little stilted in their performance or you can't really do much with the camera because you're in a virtual space and on a tv show you can't really be as cinematic when you when you have these constraints of having to sort of composite in other worlds so because they've kind of cracked that code and found a really production savvy way to produce this show. Uh, I think it just, you know, leapfrogged them ahead of the competition. Like nobody else can pull off what they're pulling off visually. And it shows it, it really is something that you need something like star Wars to appreciate, like that you can do this now on a TV budget, on a TV scale and make it look as good as it looks. So visual effects, I will never stop singing their praises for that breakthrough. I think that that's just absolutely amazing. We've talked also about the score which, uh, you know, going into it, I remember our first couple of reviews were like, man, this doesn't quite feel like star Wars. And like, it's interesting, but you, you can hear that they're pulling in all sorts of stuff that is kind of appropriate to like the Western genre and the samurai genre. And like, it's almost like the, the, the seventies sort of like gritty, gritty type of cinema. Um, like the pulp cinema, like there's, there was all sorts of stuff coming into it that wasn't typically something you'd associate with star Wars, which usually has a big grand orchestral classical kind of score but man did it grow on us throughout the season uh so it's nice to know that it also grew on the emmy audience because uh i think that the the guy that they tapped they did a feature in one of the uh, disney plus documentaries on the mandalorian just on his work on the score and you can see that there's just a lot of passion there and uh just a really great personality to infuse something unique into the series so I'm glad that the Emmys recognized that they're doing something special over on the Mandalorian production. And I hope that, um, you know, they get a little bit more maybe for the storytelling. Cause I don't know if people realize how hard it is to pull off good sort of, I don't want to say like superhero fair, cause that's not really what star Wars is, but fantasy sci-fi pulp, uh, Western samurai fusion. Like there's a lot coming into this show. That's it, it feels deceptively, accessible and easy to watch, but it really takes a steady hand and uh, some real care and some knowledge of cinema to 
balance the fusion that they're balancing with all this. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm really in love with this show. I'm glad the Emmys are too. And uh, I hope that season two really knocks their socks off so that they can see that uh, beyond just the, the glitz of the production that there's some, there's a little bit of substance there too. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's exactly what you said about the visual effects. That was the one thing that I was looking at. I'm like, they are, they're so revolutionary with this mm-hmm. new tech. That's the one that they need to come away with. So the fact yeah, that there was no contest. That, yeah, exactly. And the yeah. fact they came away with that and the score, I felt like it was a good night. Of course, I'm disappointed that John Carlos Esposito did not go come away with the <laughs> guest star outstanding performance, but it went to Jason Bateman and no one's going to argue with that. But, sure. uh, other than that, we did get the score back, but it felt like something was a little bit new in this season two trailer. I couldn't pick up on it if it was like an extra stanza they threw in there or whatever it was, mm. but it seems like the score in this trailer is a little bit different to kind of usher in this season two. So let's go ahead and discuss this trailer. Sure. Yeah. So. First off, it appears that the child and the Mando are going to come into conflict with multiple antagonists during their season two journey. And while the trailer shows the two journeying through multiple location, the trailer itself reveals very little of the <laughs> season two storyline. Like I was shocked that so little was actually revealed, but we felt it felt like we got so much out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what a good trailer does. I hate that trend that we had a few years ago where you basically told the whole movie in the trailer or you, you gave away critical things so that people that are inevitably going to die in the movie or not die in the movie, you know, they have to survive to a certain scene because they give away so much, but by keeping this very, I'm going to call just like tight shots, like you get a lot of close-ups of the baby and you get a lot of close-ups of Mando or like an action pose or like a, a foot stepping in the snow, you know, or an establishing shot, but you're not getting the meat, nothing that you could paste together a trajectory for the series that is going to make you know that when you're watching a particular episode, Oh, this person, this is the episode where they die. Cause I saw it in the trailer or, you know, like they, they, they were very smart to sidestep all that because this is a show that you want some surprises. It's been right. very hard for star Wars to kind of surprise in its last trilogy and in some of its other fare, because you've kind of seen it all, you know, like, you know who your villains are, you know how lightsabers work. Like it's the first movie was full of surprises just because everything that you were seeing was so new and, and fresh at the time. And that whole trilogy could have surprises because they were charting sort of new territory. But ever since then, it's been getting harder and harder and harder. So the fact that they're not giving away their crown jewels for the season uh, makes me very happy. Yeah, and it feels like in most trailers, you can kind of piece, like you said, where that shot is in the movie. (laughs) Like, that's going to be in the final act. That's going to be in the first act. But this one, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I have no idea what order this is going in. I'm going to guess that Mando on the ship, where, and we'll get into this mysterious character in a minute, is probably somewhere midway or at the end of the first act, launching to the second one. But like, I mean, I couldn't piece together anything else as far as like what order is this actually going to come yeah. in. So like the opening shot, it's of a damaged razor crest drifting past a planet towards a smaller one. Like that could be at the beginning of the series. <laughs> that can be at the end of a series. Who knows? But it just looks super interesting that the Mando is going to come into conflict with multiple different people from different sides. Like we see him being escorted and chased by Republic X-Wing fighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it looks like maybe at one point they thought they were at odds, but maybe they teamed up or something because you get a sense that he's not being hunted in one of those shots. Mm-hmm. 
But what does that tell you? It tells you they may be friendly. They may be foes. We don't know, <laughs> but we're going to see some X-Wings doing some stuff. Uh, we see a busted up razor crest. How did it get that way? They're not going to tell us. They're not going to show you what other ships were involved in that situation. Heck, maybe that's the opening shot of the season. And it just shows us that some serious stuff has gone down. Like he's kind of like backed into a corner and he's out of options kind of thing. Like maybe they're going to do that kind of thing. Um, we can only speculate because as a good trailer should do, it's asking a lot of questions, but it's not providing answers. And that just, well, you know, that's what, that's what keeps you interested. Yeah. And then another thing that kind of caught me off guard was it seems like the journey leads back to Tatooine. And I think Mm -hmm. that this would be, Super poetic if it does indeed go that route because we see the Tusken Raider riding on a Bantha, the desert mm-hmm. planet. And I mean, there are rumors that Boba Fett is going to make some sort of appearance <laughs> or, you know, a clone whatsoever. But if that is going to be true, wouldn't Tatooine make the most sense where Boba Fett's storyline comes into play in Mando, whether it's actually Boba Fett or not really Boba Fett? Yeah. Well, the little teaser that we got last season in what was it episode five or six, the one where they went to Tatooine, um, you get the boots, right? And you get the little sound effect of the the sensor or whatever that little tracker sound is that is associated with Boba Fett when he walks through a scene. So you get like the jangly boots. Um that was on Tatooine. And they didn't put that scene in there for nothing because it doesn't pay off anywhere else in the series so far. So they were setting the table for something. Obviously, whoever that's going to be revealed to be is on Tatooine. So it makes sense that they would go back there. It also makes sense for this series because mm-hmm. one of the genres that they're heavily infusing is what Star Wars was originally based on in many ways. Aside from, you know, like mythic archetypes, it was more grounded, at least the first part of it in the Western. That's why they set it on a desert planet. And that's why they go to a bar. And that's why they, you know, they find a rogue like Han Solo and there's a gunfight in a bar. And like all of this, these classic Western tropes are all associated with Tatooine. So, you know, the Mandalorian himself as a outlaw gunslinger, bounty hunter type, uh, this is just the perfect environment for him to get into trouble. And uh, Mm -hmm. if they go back, I don't think we're out of fun things that can happen on Tatooine. And uh, I, I, we can only speculate and you can't pay too much heed to rumors, but I think we might be seeing Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> I think they may want to rehabilitate that character because you could have a whole lot of Star Wars properties spin off from that character. You know, he's beloved. He's, well, I don't know if he's beloved, but you know, he generates excitement. He's a, he's a fan favorite character. Uh, so yeah, why wouldn't you want him in your your new pantheon of Star Wars characters for this era to build out your other TV shows and, you know, whatever they got cooking? And there are so many rumors, of course, of the expanded universe coming into play in this series. And so you have a character like Cobb Vanth, who was a former slave who ended <laughs> up trading for Mandalorian type armor. At one point, it's explicitly stated or implied that it is, in fact, Boba Fett. So maybe... He's the one walking around, and if that's the case, I'm on board with some of the other rumors that the justified actor himself, Timothy Oliphant, is going to play (laughs) that character. Because what would be a better fit for him? Would they obviously cast him for the same reasons that they went after this whole kind of space western, space samurai story? Sure. He's the guy. you got to get him in there. And so I am 100% on board that that's the boots we saw walking towards um, <laughs> the body there in season one. So I think that's where there's, there's got to be a connection. There's got to be some sort of secret 
that that this character is holding on to as well that is going to assist the Mandalorian uh, in in pursuing because why else would you go back to Tatooine? There's something there going on, and I think that there are definitely more secrets lying with this character. So what I heard you say is we know absolutely nothing. It would be cool if it turned out to be something cool, and we'll have to wait and see. Is that a, a fairly good synopsis? <laughs> Yes, our- and it's going to be cool. Everything <laughs> yes. about it is going to be cool. So that's the other th- part. I'm calling it. It's going to be a cool story. But another mysterious thing that we don't actually know is this snow planet. Mm. Like some people are referring to uh, it being Ilum. And the reason that I wanted to add this to the show was because I would prefer that it be that way. Because in Ahsoka's novel, she goes back to this planet, which eventually becomes Starkiller Base. But mm-hmm. Uh, she goes back to this planet to get her uh, her lightsaber crystals that end up, um, or she tries to go there to get her lightsaber crystals. Doesn't really work out, but she goes back to this planet, and I feel like that would make sense for her that she continues to journey back to this planet that is strong in the Force to maybe try to communicate with other Force wielders and to find other Force wielders in the time of this shattered universe in between the Empire and the first order. So that's my hope for it. But I mean, it's like you've been saying all along, we don't actually know, but it would be <laughs> cool if it was this way. Yes. So what you're saying is we have no idea what that's going to be, but we think it's probably going to be pretty cool. <laughs> that's that's going to be our, our running theme for pretty much all the speculation for the trailer. Um, but you're right. Like it, the, the planet has a huge crack in it, which could be, you know, what they kind of utilize to generate the trench that they built the, Starkiller infrastructure into um, it if it ties into Star Wars lore and it becomes the meeting place where we have our one or two Ahsoka centric episodes. Great. You know, that has to happen somewhere. That's probably very fitting. The trailer definitely does not give us anything else we can go on other than it's a snowy planet and uh, we can't wait to find out what happens on it. And then I have two takes on Sasha Banks's character. So she's mm. the one that pops up perfectly at the line of enemy sorcerers cuts to her she mysteriously disappears Ooh, is it a jedi is it a force wielder is it in, an inquisitor whatever it is so my theory number one is that if this planet that we saw that the snow planet is ilum then it then sasha banks is crucial in connecting the mandalorian to going there to meet ahsoka so if that's the case that's my theory number one that she is um, she's making the connection that Ahsoka sent her to scope them out to make sure it's not a trap at first and then to send them to her location in Ilum. However, once again, we don't actually know. So <laughs> and then the other part is it seems a little too on the nose that it cuts to her at Force Wielder. So then I'm like, yeah, maybe it's like a little bait and switch there. Right. So what were you thinking about that? So. Uh, obviously the, the running theme, it looks cool. We have no idea what it means at this point. So just, you know, we're just going to state that right out, right out of the gate. Um, there was some early speculation that maybe she was going to play a slightly older Sabine Wren, which would be cool casting. Like I could see her in the live action role for that. And then they show it in the scene and they intentionally marry it with that voiceover. Like you said of, you know, this race of wizards that, you know, the Mandalorians did battle with. Um, I think if they were smart. If this was, in fact, Sabine Wren, they would marry it with that clip because it's a misdirection. Mm-hmm. It's it's telling you, like, 
think about her as a Jedi. That way you're not going to be speculating or thinking that you got it figured out. So when we do reveal it as whoever it's going to be, it'll be more fun. So I think that might be an intentional misdirect in the trailer. If it was Sabine Wren, I think it could kind of make sense. Uh, We know that Star Wars is not above a fetch quest. So if the Mandalorian gets wind of some remaining Jedi in the galaxy and he goes to maybe some of his Mandalorian contacts to try and figure out how to track them down. Maybe one of them passes him off or says, you got to go find Sabine because we know back in the day she palled around with some Jedi types. So, you know, she's a Mandalorian connection. So she might be in the same kind of circles where he could find his way to her and she can send him in the right direction. It could be something along those lines. So I wouldn't rule out that it could be Sabine Wren. Now the, the rumor mill is heavily favoring the idea that it's not her at this point. And I'd be perfectly content if it's not new Mm. characters in the star Wars universe is a good thing. You know, we need them. We want to build new stories around new characters and uh, you don't always just want to keep going back to the, the characters that, you know, so if it is, if it isn't, I'm happy either way, but I'm not ruling it out because I don't think misdirection would be out of the question in this case. Yeah. And I mean, the positive part of COVID-19 is that we only got one trailer. I think we sure. possibly would have gotten multiple ones if it weren't for all the pushbacks and everything being delayed due to COVID-19. So, but I'm kind of happy with this. Like, I hope we don't get anything else before this launch. Like, I hope it's just, mm. let's just replay this trailer a couple times on major networks. So the people are reminded that it's coming yeah. because I don't want to see anything. Like I know a lot of people were disappointed that Ahsoka didn't show up in the trailer. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see Ahsoka at all until her reveal on the Mandalorian. So that's that's kind of my take on that. The next thing about this trailer is that we obviously see the obvious that we knew that we were going to see. The gang is back together. There's <laughs> not really much to comment there other than something brings them back together. We don't know what exactly, but they get back together and they're happy to see each other. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Star Wars movies do, right? You've got your your trio of likable scamps and eventually the adventure calls them to team up to win the day. Uh, that's kind of what we got in the last couple episodes last season, right? Where Mando has to go back and uh, kind of face down all the chaos that he created. And he's got Cara Dune that he picked up along the way. Uh, I really like that. I mean, I, I, I just, I like the posse, you know, suiting up and riding off to win the day. That That's always a, a great way to bring a story to a head. So why wouldn't we want the the fun characters back that paid dividends last season? Like, we didn't think grief cargo was going to amount to anything, you know, from the first couple episodes, we thought he was just, again, sort of a piece of the fetch quest, right? He's the one who hands Mando his trackers and sends him on his way. And it's just kind of like, you don't, he doesn't need to be anything more than that, but no, they actually like turned him into a, a pretty compelling and useful character by the end of the season. And I don't think it was their original intention to make him as big a part of the show as he became, but Carl Weathers is so charming and that character, you know, had such a, a redeeming payoff there by the end where you don't see him as a villain or, you know, you see him as someone that obviously is going to prove valuable to Mando again, um, that I would have expected that they were going to meet up in season two. And again, Cara Dune, you know, a lot of charisma, a very likable character. These are just, these are people that they established. Of course they want to keep using them. That's the whole point. <laughs> so, uh, great. Can't wait to see what adventures they go on together. So we didn't get any type of shot of the Grand Moff Gideon himself, Mm -hmm. but we did have Giancarlo Esposito claiming 
that we wouldn't get too many answers in season two, that those were going to have to wait for season three and four. But he did say that there's going to be some more action with that Darksaber. So what do you think about all the stuff going on with the Grand Moff? Why do you think they didn't show him in this trailer? Do you think he's always in a very mysterious place that would be spoilery if they showed it? Um, maybe I think that obviously, you know, they're, they're holding back a few cards because uh, like, like we already said, a, a good trailer can't give it all away. Uh, he's someone that fans are going to be clamoring to know, you know, how is he going to be nipping at Mando's heels and, and how is he going to kind of get the upper hand and put our, uh, heroes into precarious positions? He is our overarching baddie as far as we know at this point. So if star Wars is smart, it's not going to give him away too quickly. <laughs> you know, we, we found out in our trilogy, what happens when you, uh, you know, you kind of give up on your villain midway through the story, you know, like that can create issues. So, uh, if, if he just continues to be someone that sort of, a, he's like, you know, the big baddie in a video game, you know, you, you basically go through the whole game and you just kind of face him down when you're about to go to the next level up. Um, right. so if we just kind of always see him the last few episodes of the season and he kind of, frustrates their plans uh i'm good with that and i think that's a, a good role for john carlo esposito he's he's good as kind of a quiet menace and uh so i don't know i don't know what they have planned uh he's been in full junket mode like he's been doing a lot of interviews and he's been teasing a lot but he's also been very smart to not be saying anything so like everything else with this trailer everything looks very cool and the stuff that they don't show us we know is going to be cool too but at this point we're just we're flying really blind and i'm kind of happy about that and we are so close to the launch of season two. I mean, it is this month. We are less than a month away. We're within the release month. It's going to be right before Halloween. October 30th of 2020 is when at least episode one will be available on Disney+. Plus. And I cannot wait to cover the show with you, John. It's going to be so excited. Season two. I think has just as much reveal as season <laughs> one did in the shockiness of things like the child. Right. I think we're going to be, I think we're in another, another year of shocking revelations from the Mandalorian. Yeah. If they pull off something as cool as the reveal of the child was like, if they're able to hold that back and not let that kind of leak out and really let the fan base be surprised. If they score another huge home run, like they did with the child, then the season's a shoe in like that. You, you only need one of those to charm your audience and win them over. And uh, yeah, I don't know what they're holding back. If they've got something that cool. Great. If they just mine what they already established and we get more fun, baby Yoda moments, like even in the trailer, they had to give us one, you know, Mando is in some sort of wrestling arena. Uh, he's surrounded by, I'm assuming bounty hunters or a, a gang of people that are about to do him in. He activates his whistling birds Baby Yoda obviously knows what that means from past experience, activates his own eggshell protection unit <laughs> and uh, locks down before the whistling birds uh, shoot out. How, how charming like that, that scene, it had me grinning and almost crying a little bit just for how much I'm ready to have some more adventures with baby Yoda too. Um, yeah. What a, what a charming little scene to throw in, in the trailer to, uh, whet your appetite for more of those kind of interactions and just the adorableness of the whole situation. So yeah, uh, we got a lot to look forward to you. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned how quickly this season's coming up. I just want to point out that the whole reason why we ever crossed paths and decided we wanted to do this show was because we heard, 
oh, they're going to do something live action and maybe Favreau's attached and that could be cool. So, you know, why don't we make sure that we're ready to talk about it when it launches? And what was that like three years ago now? And we've actually, we're heading into the second season of, you know, this um, sort of like premiere production, you know, that we were waiting for. Uh, So yeah, it's just, uh, it's nice to be in the, in the thick of it, in the middle of the series now, rather than anticipating what it could be. So yeah, I can't help but be a little excited about all that. Well, our audience does not have to wait very long to watch Mandalorian season two and get our much desired reviews of the Mandalorian season two. But while they're waiting for all that, John, where can they find you? Well, if anyone knows anything about SNL, they know that its premiere is actually this weekend. So right around the time when this episode drops, uh, I'll probably be recording my coverage of the premiere. They're bringing in Jim Carrey to play Joe Biden, which is kind of their big celebrity tentpole impression. They're back in studio, even though we're mid COVID. So that's going to create a, a lot of discussion around, you know, how you run a live production in New York in these situations. Uh, so we've got plenty to talk about surrounding the SNL premiere. And I do that at uh, snlpodcast.com. The podcast is called SNL After Party. You can find it in all your podcasting apps. And uh, if you're into SNL, go check it out. And you can keep up with this show throughout the week on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and by emailing us at hello at starwarstvtalk.com. And you can find the rest of our shows online at starwarstvtalk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. And you, of course, can find more TV Talk podcasts at tvtalk.fm. Thank you so much for listening, and may the Force be with you always.